Welcome to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a stimulating discussion of news and humor from a Jewish perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Rabbi Mendy. I hope you all had a good week, and I hope you will continue to have a good week this week. Hasidically speaking, this is a powerhouse week. This past Thursday, the 14th day in the Hebrew month of Kislev, we celebrated the Rebbe's, the Rebbe Rebbetzin's wedding anniversary. The Rebbe married the previous Rebbe's daughter. And once when the Rebbe was talking about this day, he said that this is the day that connected him with us. Being that he was the son-in-law of the previous Rebbe, it's a day that connected him to us. It's a day of hiskashrus, Hebrew word for the day. Hiskashrus means connection. The Hebrew word, of course, is brought to you by the Armenians. And then, this coming week, starting tomorrow night, we have what's known as the New Year. Oh, you've heard of the New Year? No, no, no. It's not Rosh Hashanah, and it's not even January 1st. This New Year is the New Year... Oh, uh, it's not even Tubishvat. You know, Tubishvat is also the New Year for trees. This is the New Year... For Hasidism. The Hasidish New Year. Rosh Hashanah Hasidus. Starts Monday night, Tuesday and Wednesday, Yutes Kislev, the 19th and 20th of Kislev, is the day back in 1798. The first Rebbe of Chabad began teachings, teaching Chabad Hasidus, wrote the book of Tanya. And there was a huge uproar in the Jewish community about the way he was doing things. See, it turns out that many of the Jewish people living at that time were being oppressed by the outside, you know, the typical anti-Semites. You know, if I have time today, we'll talk a little bit about them too. The typical, you know, Bolshevik, uh, Tsarists, and, 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 and um, you know, all the other that found it game to be able to attack the Jews and bother them and steal from them, etc. But they were also being persecuted by fellow Jews. You see, in those days, many people could barely make ends meet and they had to work really hard. So obviously, they prayed three times a day, they put on tefillin in the morning and they davened, and they, and they went in the afternoon and davened again, and then went in the evening and davened again, as a typical Jew would do. But they didn't have the time to sit around and study extra, or stay in the shul for many long hours. So, they would go to shul, daven quickly, and then run off to work. And then there were the elite, elites within the Jews, the intelligentsia, who said, wait, this is not good enough. You're not Jewish enough if you don't study Torah all day. You're not Jewish enough if you're not spending more time praying. 
So here you have these Jews who can barely make, make ends meet. And, you know, being persecuted uh, physically on the outside, and then they were getting persecuted spiritually on the inside. And starting from the Baal Shem Tov, and then the Mizutra Magid, and then finally the Alter Rebbe, they went around teaching Jewish people that they have a soul. And you know what the word for soul in Hebrew is? It's an ashama. And God blew that soul into us, and that gives us vitality, gives us life. Not just regular living, but life, chayas, you know, exuberance. The fact that we can do anything comes from our souls. And we're special and holy. It doesn't matter if I manage to only, you know, pray quickly or I, I pray for a long time. My soul connection is still there. And these, and these were the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov and then the Alter Rebbe and lifting up the spirit of the Jews of that time. And there were people who didn't like that. Those people were called the misnagdim. They were the opposers. The opposers to this new movement of uplifting Jews from the depths. And they didn't like what the Hasidim were doing. So they looked for various ways to trump up lies about them. And that eventually led to the al Rebbe being arrested and put in prison for 53 days, which, by, by the way, corresponds to the 53 chapters that the Alter Rebbe wrote in the book of Tanya. And there's many stories to talk about. We talked a little bit about it on Shabbos at the Fabrengen. We'll talk about it next Shabbos again in Mirza Hashem, all being well, Bli Neder. But that day, the day he was released from prison, became a joyous holiday for Jews all around the world. And it's known as the beginning, the new year of Hasidus. So much so that the Rebbe writes in Ayom Yom the same blessing that he, we say at, at Rosh Hashanah. L'shana tova umesuka. The, uh, the Rebbe writes in Ayom Yom, L'shana tova, may you have a good year. In the ways of Chassidus and the studies of Chassidus, may you be written and uh, sealed. So it's a very special day and I look forward to celebrating it. In fact, there's this huge fabrengen taking place in uh, Newton for all the Jews around the Boston area. Uh, A speaker is coming from Atlanta, Georgia to speak about this very special day. Um, And we look forward to to celebrating with the community. Let me tell you a story about the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe once stayed in the home of a certain Jew. And this Jew excelled in the mitzvah of Achnasas Orchim. Do you know what that means? Achnasas Orchim is the mitzvah of inviting guests, bringing guests into your home. There's many of us who bring guests into our home, meaning, you know, a cousin, an uncle, a nephew. They'll come for a couple of days. Maybe we'll take them skiing with us. Whatever it is, we, we, we bring some people in. And then there are people who will take any random Jew that's looking for a place to stay, whether it's for a Shabbos, for a meal, for a couple of days, sometimes even for an entire month. You know, in Crown Heights, there are a lot of Jews who excel in Achnasas Archim. Because there are Jews who are coming to Crown Heights all the time, throughout the year. For the high holiday months, there's thousands of people who come at the same time. And these people are put up for an entire month in people's homes, in people's basements, and apartments. People open up their homes for them to give them a place to sleep, a place to eat, a place to rest. So someone who does that on a regular basis, not just once in a while... Is considered someone who's a machnis orach, someone who excels in inviting guests into the home. So he's, he, the Alter Rebbe is now staying in this person's home, but he, he was unknown at that time. The Alter Rebbe wasn't known as the Alter Rebbe. He was just a student of his predecessor, the Magid of Mizrich. So after a couple of days, the host recognized that this guest was not an ordinary Jew just traveling from place to place. So he said to him, Tell me, what's your deal? Who are you? Where do you come from? 
<clears throat> so he told him, told him what his name was, and he told him that he was a student of the Magad Rich, who was well known at that time as the leader of the Hasidic movement. So the host said to the Alter Rebbe, if that's the case, if you come from such high stock, I need your opinion on a very important matter. And he said as follows. The host told the Alter Rebbe, you see what goes on in my home. You see that I provide you know, people with food, a place to sleep, and even sometimes when they need, I give them cash. But, he told the Alter Rebbe, I don't do it with an MS. I'm not doing it with true feeling. MS means true or truth. I'm not doing it with true feeling and, and true concentration. Maybe there's an ulterior motive to why I'm doing it. And he, and he said to the Alter Rebbe, and I wonder if perhaps because I'm not doing it with the right motive and with the true feeling that maybe it, this, all this is worthless. Maybe there's no point in bringing all these guests in if I'm really not doing it with the right intention and the right feeling. So Al-Tarebbe thought for a short while and then he replied, here's some Yiddish words brought to you by Kate's Financial Services. He said, you may not mean it with your true feeling, with your true heart, but the needy person becomes satisfied truly or truly becomes satisfied. In other words, just because you're not feeling it, it doesn't matter because the guest, the pauper, the one who needs the help is getting the help. You know, I told I told a joke last week about the rabbi who gets up in shul and he gives this fire and brimstone speech that the wealthier people in the community have to start giving more charity to the poor people in the community. And after a few days, his wife said to him, "New, I heard about your speech in shul on Shabbos. How's it doing? Did it did it have its effect?" He said, "Well, it had its effect fifty percent." She said, 50%? What do you mean by 50%? Well, it turns out the, the, the 50% are, are following what I needed to, what I said should be done. He said, which 50%? So the rabbi said, well, the poor people are ready to accept the donations. So the Alter is telling him, just because you don't feel the feeling, you're not feeling it, as the uh, modern day lingo is, just because you're not feeling it doesn't mean that the pauper is not getting satisfied because the pauper is getting what they need, whether it's a roof over the head or cash in their pocket. You know, on one hand, the Hasidic movement and the teachings of Hasidus demands that we strive for, for lack of a better word, MS, for truth, for authenticity, sincerity, integrity, in every mitzvah that we do. In fact, the Rebbe Marash, the fourth Chabad Rebbe, once said that the Alt Rebbe demanded truth, demanded sincerity from his Hasidim. And had he not demanded it so much, he would have attracted 50,000 additional students. So he was ready to forgo the 50,000 additional students just because he demanded authenticity and sincerity. So on one hand, it's important to have that, to have truth and sincerity and to be true to yourself and true to everyone else. But on the other hand, our pursuit for, for sincerity and authenticity should not stop us from doing something good. So when you say to somebody, you say the word, be true to yourself, that implies that there's an, a pursuit for truth and authenticity with an emphasis on who? On yourself. Be true to yourself. But that can prevent us from helping others 
even when we're able to, because maybe I'm not being true to myself. In other words, being true becomes a justification for not helping because we're not feeling it. So to be sure, we need to know that there is extreme value in helping others with sincerity, with truth. And when we study, especially the teachings of Hasidus, that helps us develop the virtue of being authentic. But if we push off helping others until we get to the true feelings, then we're putting our personal growth ahead of someone else's needs. And Hasidim don't do that. Hasidim know that another person's needs come first. Hasidim know that my piece of bread is yours just like it's mine. In other words, we give it to you even before we should be taking it for ourselves. And likewise, our children need to be taught the value of genuinely feeling for another person's needs. But they must equally be taught the importance of helping someone even when those feelings aren't there. When the Alter Rebbe was told that he was going to be released from prison, it was a Tuesday. And it turns out the book of Tehillim is broken up into 30 days. It's also broken up into seven days of the week. And on Tuesday, it includes the chapter for uh, chapter 55. In it, it has the words, Pada v'shalom nafshi, that you redeemed or released my soul in peace. And because he was saying that chapter of Tehillim, that those words became a song which is sung every year on the holidays of redemption. And I'll play part of that song for you to take part. We sang it yesterday at the Kiddush. By the way, did you know that every Shabbos we have this amazing Kiddush? We have a, a nice davening which begins at 10 a.m. every single Shabbos. And then at um, about 12.30 on a typical week, about 12.30, we sit down for a community Kiddush lunch the food is delicious, the camaraderie is amazing, and we have a great fabrengen, some l'chaims, of course. So we invite you to join us every Shabbos, whether it's for davening, for Kiddush, for both. And then you'll hear um, some more insights and discussions that we have around the table because, you know, when Jews get together, let's say, two Jews, seven opinions. So you can imagine when you have 40 or 50 Jews sitting around, how many opinions you have there. It's a lot of fun. You don't want to miss it. Join us every single Shabbos. And now, enjoy the song, Pada V'Shalom Nafshi. The last words of the song, by the way, end off with, Va'ani Eftachbach. And I have faith in you. Because when you have faith, and you think for the best, it will be the best. So before I play the uh, Israeli version of Pada V'Shalom Nafshi, Khani here has joined me in the studio before she runs off to Hebrew school. And she's going to sing that last sentence. And those of you who were in Shul yesterday and um, heard it and know it, please join along with her. Here we go. Shalom, 
Every Jew knows the Yiddish word for grandfather. You know, it wouldn't make sense to make it the Yiddish word of the day. But just in case there's somebody that doesn't know the word yet, we'll make it another Yiddish word for the day, brought to you by Kate's Financial Services, and that is Zayda. Some people say Zayda, some people say Zaydi, some people say Zayda, but that word is the Yiddish word for grandfather. Let me ask you a question. Do you know who the first person in the Torah that was called Zayda? Who's the first person in the Torah to be referred to as grandfather? I know you're scratching your head now, thinking, who was called a Zayda? So when you think of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... They're primarily known as the fathers of our nation. What, what are they known as? Avram Avinu, Abraham our father, Yitzchak Avinu, Yaakov Avinu. They're the fathers of our nation. But besides that, when it comes to Yaakov, to Jacob, in addition to, be called, to being called Yaakov Avinu, our father Yaakov, we find a number of places within the Medrash we hear he's called Yisrael Saba. That's the Hebrew word for the day. Yiddish, it's Zayda or Zaydi. In Hebrew, it's Saba. And it's referred to as Yisrael Saba. He's referred to as Grandpa Yisrael, Grandpa Israel. Perhaps the reason why Yaakov is the first to be referred to as, as a Zayda, as a grandfather, because he was the first man to raise what we would call Jewish grandchildren. Avram passed away on the day that his grandson, well, his grandsons, because they were twins, Yaakov and Esau had a bar mitzvah. Yitzchak never saw his grandchildren until it was too late to take part in their upbringing. Because if you remember, Yaakov ran away and he got married far away from where his parents lived and he lived there for many years. 
So the only one to have merited to have all his children and grandchildren living with him and to train them in the ways of the Torah and the godly ways was Yaakov, Jacob. He lived with his children, then the grandchildren, and he was able to bring them up. And maybe that's why he's referred to as Yisrael Saba, Grandpa Israel, Grandpa Izzy. Now we read a lot about Jacob in the Torah portions that we're reading these days. In fact, there's a whole debate in our shul about how to say the word. When you're reading it from the Torah, do you say Yaakov? Do you say Yaakov? Do you say Yankiv? I say tomato, you say tomato, right? So every week, there's a discussion about Yaakov in one way or another. Now, when it started last week, there was a whole discussion about Yaakov running away from Esav. And as he's running away, he meets up with Esav's son, Eliphaz. Had they meet up, it turns out that Esav sent his son to go catch Yaakov and to kill him. However, when they met, when Yaakov and Esav and Eliphaz, Esav's son, met, he convinced them not to kill him. And he explained to him how he can get away with it by taking his money instead of killing him. And he didn't kill him. The question is, why didn't Eliphaz follow through with his father's uh, order, his father's edict, to kill his uncle Yaakov? Rashi, who's the foremost biblical commentator, said that the reason he didn't kill his uncle was because Eliphaz grew up in the home of his grandfather Isaac. And because he grew up in his home, he had a good influence on him. And he couldn't bring himself to carry out his father's instructions. And he begged his uncle to figure out a way to give him a way out of killing him. So we see here the power of Azadeh. Although Eliphaz was the son of Esav, Esav was filled with hate. And we know what anti-Semitic hate can do. But the education that he received from his grandfather made him unable, made him incapable of harming his uncle Jacob. You know, whenever statistics come out, you know, Jewish statistics, you know, census, there's always a big discussion about the, the um, Jewish continuity. That becomes like a big thing. And they always discuss how is, how is Jew, the line of Judaism going to be able to continue. But the fact is, we are a nation that survives only because the torch of our tradition was successfully passed from generation to generation. I was recently talking with a couple of young parents, the parents of children in the Hebrew school. We were discussing the levels of religious observance in our community. Do we keep more than our parents did? Do we want our children to keep more than we do? And I was happy to hear that in most cases, with these parents, the answer was yes. That many of them are doing more Judaism-wise than their parents do. And all of them want their kids to do more than they are. But if you want that to happen, you got to put work. You got to put elbow grease. You can't sit back and relax you got to make it happen. Many of us remember our grandfathers sitting at the Seder table. Many will remember for a long time our bubbies, our grandmothers lighting Shabbos candles. We may remember Shabbos and the, the, the special meals on, on holidays in our grandparents' homes. Many will remember going to synagogue on the high holidays and sitting right next to the Zaydi and Shul. And everyone can remember a time, or maybe 
two or more, when they did something very Jewish just to make Bubby happy. In fact, many people married Jewish only because of Bubby's credit. Oftentimes the parents are scared to say something, but Bubbies are never scared to say anything. And that's and to their credit, many people have married Jewish because of that. There's a classic song by Moshe Yes. Oliver Shalom, he passed away a couple of years ago, which describes how his Zaidi, who lived together with him in his parents' home and brought Judaism into the house, he would teach the children Torah, he would tell them stories about Jewish suffering and stories about Jewish heroism. And Zaidi would make Kiddush every Friday night and he conducted a Seder on Pesach night. But the end of the song is so important. The last line of the song is so important. It ends with, after Zaidi passes away, and he talks a little bit more about it, and then he ends off, who will be the Zaidis of our children? Who will be their Zaidis if not we? You saw the lyrics. The lyrics are in are in the email I sent earlier about the show. I put the song, the lyrics into the song into the email, so you can follow along. It is our responsibility to play the role of Zadie and Bubby in the lives of our children and grandchildren. True, you're not. You're saying to yourself, "I'm not really that old," but it's too hard to learn to make kiddush. When you're 85. It's not impossible. You indeed can teach new things to older people. Despite what some people say. But if we want to be a good Zaidi and a Bubby, we have to start now. At whatever age we are. We have to start now. Please join along with Moshe Yes on the song My Zaidi. Read along in the lyrics in the email I sent. My Zadie lived with us in my parents' home. He used to laugh, he put me on his knee. And he spoke about his life in Poland He spoke but with a bitter memory And he spoke about the soldiers who would beat him And they laughed at him They tore his long black coat And he spoke about a synagogue that they burnt down and the crying that was heard beneath the smoke But Zadie made us laugh Zadie made us sing And Zadie made a kiddish Friday night And Zadie, oh my Zadie How I love him so And Zadie used to teach me wrong from right his eyes lit up when he would teach me Torah and he taught me every line so carefully and he spoke about our slavery in Egypt and how God took us out to make us free but winter went by, summer came along. I went to camp to run and play. And when I came back home, they said, Sadie's gone. And all his books were packed and stored away. And I don't know how or why it came to be. It happened slowly 
over many years We just stopped being Jewish like my Zadie was And no one cared enough to shed a tear But Zadie made us laugh Zadie made us sing And Zadie made a Seder Pesach night And Zadie, oh my Zadie How I love him so And Zadie used to teach me wrong from right And many winters went by And many summers came along And now my children sit in front of me And who will be the Zadie of my children? Who will be their Zadie if not me? Who will be the Zadies of our children? Who will be their Zadies if not we And Zadie made us laugh Zadie made us sing And Zadie made a kiddish Friday night And Zadie, oh my Zadie How I love him so And Zadie used to teach me wrong You know, this time of year is always the time of year that as a rabbi, I hear the most fetching from Jewish parents about what's going on around. Uh, in, in the past week alone, I heard from a shocked parent who wanted guidance from me how to answer their four-year-old who comes home from school and asks, when are we putting up our tree? Or another parent whose child, uh, eight-year-old child was told to draw a tree. Or when a mother called me and she said she's trying to figure out where to, buy, where to be able to buy the fanciest Hanukkah decorations in order to outdo her non-Jewish neighbors. Now obviously we have a Hanukkah pop-up shop which has some nice gifts and even some nice generation, uh, decorations to put around your house to enlighten and uplift the, the menorah lighting that you do at your window or at your doorposts. But not to outdo our non-Jewish neighbors. And to all of them, when they come to me with, this, with these issues and kvetches, I have the same response. You know, there's a term known as Jewish pride. Everyone heard the term Jewish pride. But in Hebrew, when you refer to Jewish pride, it's referred to as Geon Yaakov. The pride of Yaakov. Why is Yaakov singled out when we refer to Jewish pride? Why is Yaakov singled out as the one who had Jewish pride? So if you remember, Yaakov ran away from his brother Esau and he went to live with the crook, Lavan. It was his father-in-law, but he was a crook, he was a cheater, and all the people there were morally corrupt people. And now he was traveling towards his brother, and he was very worried. Because the last time, before he went to live with his father-in-law, the last time he was together with his brother Esau, his brother promised he was going to murder him. And now, his brother is marching towards him with an army of men to fight him. And Yaakov, he's traveling with his, you know, his wives, his children. So he had good reason 
to be nervous, to be anxious about this upcoming meeting. And as a responsible and trusting Jew, he prepares himself to meet his brother Esav in three ways. When I say his brother, you think of a brother, a, brother, a murderous brother, a brother that hates him. And he appears in three ways. Number one is, he prays to God. Number two, he prepares for an escape route in case of war. He prepares for war. And finally, number three, he sends an elaborate gift to appease his brother. And that's understandable when you're preparing for a, a tough situation. You look for all the ways possible to mitigate the terrible situation that you might be coming to. But he also does one more thing. He sends a message to Esau. And he says that although I lived over 20 years with the evil Lavan in a society of idolaters and cheaters and morally corrupt people, he says, nonetheless, during that whole period of time, I observed all of God's commandments and I studied Torah. In other words, the whole neighborhood where he was living were all morally corrupt people. And Jacob was the only holdout. He's the only one that lived his life in an upstanding Jewish way. Now why was Yaakov, why was Jacob so intent on telling his brother about his piety and his devotion to God? He's trying to influence Esau that Esau shouldn't hate him even more. And yet it seems like he's trying, by telling him this, he's infuriating him. He's trying to, you know, uh, poke the tiger in the eye by telling him, ha ha ha, you live also a morally corrupt life. I don't. Is that what Jacob was trying to do? No. Actually, the message that he was sending to his brother was loud and clear and it was simple. I don't entrust my fate into your hands. My fate is only in God's hands. Whether it's a spiritual challenge or it's a physical challenge, we remain committed to our values and rituals and we remain proud of them. Jewish pride is not simply just about wearing a star of David. It's not even just about putting up a sign that says we stand against anti-Semitism or put it on a t-shirt. Jewish pride is about going about your daily life in a Jewish way. So much so that my Jewish life completely overtakes me. And it's not a pride. Some people think Jewish pride is some sort of superiority the opposite. It's a pride that makes me completely comfortable in my own skin. It makes me immune to the ways and the whims of what everyone else is doing around me. And it's a pride that has been at play for over 20 years in a hostile environment. It doesn't ebb and it doesn't flow with the various isms of the day. Jewish pride is about who I am. You know, if you think about it, as Americans, we may not feel, you know, inherently superior to other countries or nationalities. But we also feel fortunate. We feel at ease in being an American. American values and traditions are something that we live with. It's not just to show off. It's something for someone with American pride. It's, it's a natural flow of their identity. Because real pride is, not by, how, is, is by how we live our lives, not by necessarily by the way we wave the flags. Jacob's pride and contentment with his own values left him no room for any worry. In simple words, he was comfortable in his own Jewish skin. 
And that's because it was his way of life. It wasn't something as an add-on. Judaism wasn't an add-on to him. It was his way of life. When we're filled with pride in who we are by living Jewishly, then there's no worry for anxiety or jealousy of what others have. They have a nicer decorations. They have more lights. It doesn't mean anything to us because we have what's most important. We have it all. We don't need those trees and lights and whatnot. Throughout history, Jews have faced many kinds of anti-Semitism, many kinds of, uh, uh, of love ones, those who attempt to make us fit in. And the only way to fit in would be by getting rid of our holy and sacred tra- traditions. So we faced the love ones. We also faced many Asavs, those anti-Semites who wanted to have us physically destroyed. But the solution has always been living proudly Jewishly. That's the only answer that ever worked. Not just saying it, not just wearing a star, not just waving a flag. It's by living it. So the next time your child or grandchild complains about feeling singled out during this time of the year, remember that putting Hanukkah on steroids is not enough. You should put Hanukkah on steroids. I'm not saying not to do it. You can wear a Star of David. Of course, go ahead and do it. You can put up a sign and wear a t-shirt. But that's not enough. That won't suffice. And don't either assume that these anti-Semites or those that want to make us fit in with society are just going to quietly disappear. The best way to get rid of it is to gift your children and grandchildren the celebration of plain old Shabbos with integrity, lighting Shabbos candles with them every single week, putting on tefillin, and they see you doing it. You know how many people I know that put on tefillin, but their kids and grandkids don't know that they do it? Do it proudly. You don't have to stick it as a thumb in their nose, but put it, do it proudly. Do it in front of them. And then don't be afraid that when you get together around the, di- the dinner table, share a word of Torah. See, when we have true Gaon Yaakov, true Jewish pride, our children will never even want to have what their neighbors have.
Okay, it's that time of the uh, show. We're going to say the Shema all together. Please take your right hand. Oh, before you do that, guys, put a yarmulke on your head if you didn't do so already. And then please, everybody, take your right hand, cover your eyes, and let's say together. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Le'olam Va'ed. And now if you have a coin or bill, put in the sucker box. You know, Hanukkah is re- literally right around the corner. And today, it kind of starts. Because today, we're having our pre-Hanukkah menorah workshop at Lowe's. We've, ha- we've been doing that for many years in the various uh, huge uh, home, what do they call them? Home development stores or whatever. Lowe's, Home Depot. And we've been doing it at Lowe's for a number of years. And then with Corona... We started giving out um, packets for people to take home. And last year, we did the Lowe's workshop at Chabad. And this year, we're finally back at Lowe's. And we filled up the crowd. We have a waiting list to join us today at 4 p.m. at Lowe's in Milford for a uh, workshop where the kids will make um, paintbrush menorahs, beautiful menorahs um, that they can actually use. It's free of charge. It's sponsored by uh, Chabad and Lowe's. And if you want to join our mailing, our uh, waiting list, please go to our website, jewishma.com, and register for today's event. But you know, I talked about the Hanukkah pop-up shop. So we have gifts, we have menorahs, candles. The most important part of Hanukkah is obviously the menorahs and the candles. We have those. We have um, Hanukkah gelt, the chocolates, and all sorts of stuff. Oil, people want to use oil for the menorahs. We have that as well. Whatever you need is at the Hanukkah pop-up shop, and the good news is, it's open every day at your schedule. So you go on our website, and you click on the link, and you choose a time that you want to come to the Hanukkah pop-up shop. And then next Sunday, a week from today, the first day of Hanukkah, Sunday night is the first candle, we're having our annual Car Menorah Parade. It's always a lot of fun. If you've never taken part, you really should. Everyone who takes part in the parade. I've never seen anybody take part in the parade and say, oh man, I shouldn't have done it. In fact, most people come back every single year and take part in the parade again. Some people have their own menorahs that we made um, at uh, uh, one of the Lowe's Hanukkah events uh, workshops a number of years ago. But we may still have a few menorahs left that we can lend out. So if you want to join the Car Menorah Parade, it's next Sunday, December 18th in the afternoon. Again, go to our website. It's all on the website, www.jewishma.com. J-E-W-I-S-H-M-A.com. Now, if you're joining the parade, you'll join us here at Chabad at 2.30. We're going to load up the car with the menorahs. We have the yeshiva boys will be here to help set it all up. And then the police will escort us. We'll leave at 3 p.m. And then we're going to have some stops along the way. We're going to stop at... Uh, Chote Park in Medway. We'll light the large town menorah, Medway Town Menorah there. Then we're going to head to the Franklin Town Common and light the Town Menorah there. And then we'll head back to Chabad. So if you're going to join us, you got to re- reserve today. There's only a few menorahs left that we can lend out. And if um, not, you can still join us at the menorah lighting in Medway at 3.30 p.m. at the Chote Park. And... Or join us in Franklin Town Common at 4.15 p.m. That's next Sunday, December 18th, 3.30 in Medway, 4.15 in Franklin. Or join the parade, which begins at 2.30. You don't want to miss it. It's a lot of fun. As I said, the website jewishma.com has everything you need. We have, we're also having this amazing family tie-dye Hanukkah party. That's going to be on Thursday, December 22nd. We're also having a night at Urban Air. That's going to be on Wednesday, December 21st. We have various menorah lightings at the senior centers around us, around in the neighborhood. Whatever it is, it's happening at Chabad and through Chabad, and you could be a part of it. We'd love to see you. We'd love you to take part with us. Go to our website, www.jewishma.com. And one last thing before I go, and that's this. Every year at, at the end of the fiscal year, we do a fundraiser to raise the much needed funds to help Chabad stay alight. You know, Chabad brings light into the community, just like Hanukkah. And we need you to light our menorah. We need you to help us 
get to where we need to get so we can continuously light the physical menorahs and the spiritual menorahs. So I, I, when you get the email this week, please join us. We're still working out the final kinks of the um, do, the donors, the matchers, because we're gonna ma- it's gonna be a matching campaign as we've done in the past, and we really need your help. We can't do this without you. As we come to the end of the year, um, you know, it's for some people it's been a great year. Some people not so good. But everyone could take part. With a small donation, a big donation, everyone could take part. So when you get the email, please click on it and join us in this amazing campaign. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. I wish you a good Yom Tif. I wish you a Shana Tova, as we talked earlier. And remember, your next deed will change the world, so make it a good one. Lechayim! You've been listening to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. For more information on the Chabad House, including upcoming events, adult programs, Hebrew school, and more, visit gotchabad.com. That's G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Shalom.